the whole equestrian industry needs to be turned upside down. Your mental health must struggle. But I didn't know what the right direction myself was. Are you sure you've never touched a horse inappropriately? No. <laughs> Do you want a loud clap? Give you a loud clap. There we go. That sounded nice. Love it. Hello. Welcome to the uh, Only Tools and Horses podcast. This is the first one we'll be doing. Uh, unless we do something completely horribly wrong and <laughs> get taken off and we don't do any podcasts anymore. Um, this episode, the first episode, uh, thankfully, is sponsored by Halfstep. Uh, we decided to sponsor ourselves. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably a safer way of doing it. We have no other offers. No, exactly. I, if we sponsor ourselves, we're not likely to get in as much trouble. Or offend um, anyone. Halfstep. Clothing that you can feel confident wearing whenever and wherever. Made to the highest quality and tested rigorously by pro athletes. You can be sure that you can perform at your best. We'll be launching Half Step in November with two technical designs. Two technical bait. Two technical zi half zip tops. There we go. I tell there you go. what, it's a good job we didn't practice that and we just went <laughs> in for the straight improv. So that is Half Step. And we are only tools and horses. That sounded like the beginning of a Top Gear intro. <laughs> Um, now ourselves, I'm I'm Ashley. Uh, nice to meet you and I'm Josh. And yeah, it's a pleasure to be here today. I think we will. I think the best way for us to start is how we met each other. Of course. I mean, yeah. it's going back a, a little bit. I mean, the people you guys are listening in uh, or not uh, <laughs> will be going. Who are these two <laughs> random lads who have decided to just speak to a mic uh, for as long as it goes? Um, so yeah, I, I we we met each other in school, didn't we? I mean, how many yeah. years ago? It must have been about 12, 13. So yeah, about 11, 12 years ago now, wasn't yeah. it? Back at Sackville. Good old days, playing yeah. rugby together. Oh yeah, of course we yeah. played rugby. Played rugby together. That. What, Sussex Cup winners in year seven. I think consecutively. I think year we seven, year nine and ten. Three out of five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something along those lines anyway. I don't remember being any good at rugby. I just remember being quite <laughs> aggressive and that was that was my form. The teacher That's just why said, you're in the team. Yeah, you just go on the wing and just take someone out and then and you're Best fine. Best way with to that. be beat. Yeah, I think I, I that sort of came back at me when, when we played uh schools that had uh guys our age that definitely weren't our age no, and exactly. then i'll get a little bit aggressive and then was like put my place very yeah, exactly and was like yeah that, that that's where we're going triple the size of you sort of thing no exactly but then i i left because we didn't have a friendship for quite a number of no, years i wouldn't even say we we're particularly close we were in different no, sort of no. friendship groups weren't we no you were in your band and i was in my band sort of thing so we of course we came across each other but at that point in our lives we weren't the closest of friends we just no. knew each other didn't we yeah so yeah. and then it's just yeah, you left and went off and done, went to Brit. Yeah, went to Brit, did acting there. Yeah. And then it wasn't till after. I mean, I was there for four years and then came back. Yeah, you've, you went to uni, you've gone off and done everything like that. I, I tried to do some life. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm here. <laughs> but then well, I, I came back and I think it was we reconnected through um, the gym. Absolutely. Um, as you can see, I'm an absolute fucking <laughs> unit. Um, thanks to your training, um, but we, we try our best. We try our best. <laughs> one one of us is uh, more consistent than the other, and I'll let everyone else try and figure out which one is the consistent <laughs> one here. Uh, but yeah, we reconnected through the gym and and, yeah. and we trained together, and then and then we just sort of got back in. in yeah, touch just and, well, friendship grew, didn't it? We got closer, became talked more, saw each other more, and then <laughs> things all just fell into place. Really, yeah. I mean, so obviously COVID hit um everyone 
massively and mm. individually careers and businesses um people massively affected by but while we're in lockdown i think over the last 12 months uh we've become exceptionally close of course we um, were both in a lucky position you were able to continue obviously being a firefighter you were able to continue doing some normality yeah and vice versa with me i was able to continue doing my job so at least we were in that lucky position where we had some normality in our lives because for a lot of people they weren't and that allowed us to connect get closer and then now now here we are sort of six seven months later really it's mental on a podcast it's together. mental but the original thing before the podcast was even considered we we we've created half step um mm. we've we've put months into that and half step is a, a male equestrian clothing Absolutely. range yep. which in the future we are looking to include yeah, females exp- as well like, yeah um, we're just trying to find our niche at the moment to but the way into it. a lot of it has come from uh, the start and struggles that you've had of course yeah as a as a dressage rider yes um and I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about that because <clears throat> i find it fascinating for me i am learning so much about the equestrian world yeah. um even terms that just get thrown <laughs> around i'm like okay that makes a little bit more sense yeah. um so i want to talk about how you got into horses what happened in that gap from from secondary school where we were somewhat close but not really close of course because mm. a part of me thinks how i know you now you almost it felt like you was leading a double life yeah yeah of course and i guess especially when we first met each other in secondary school yeah it was like horses isn't cool in secondary school especially being a guy and doing horses it's like you're you're the joke you're the person that everyone picks on because you ride horses so i i tried to keep it as separate as possible yeah. i was quite lucky that obviously i did things like rugby and everything like everything else so i had i was i was quite popular in school and so mm. were you we're just in different groups and that yeah. so i was quite lucky with that but at the same time i was still the brunt of the jokes in my group because yeah. i rode horses um but yeah basically it just all started stem from mum really yeah Mum had the passion for the horses and then, I don't know, I was started riding quite late, seven or eight years old, which is quite late. A lot of people start younger. Of course, some people start older, but for me personally, it was quite late for me to start wanting to ride anyway. And then it just gradually grew over that. During secondary school, I was riding. I had some success at a young age. Um, and then I was 13, 14 years old. A pony was bought for me. Um, and basically he turned out to be really good at dressage and that is how I ended up doing dressage. So when you say that you, you, you did horse horses, you did horses, like how, what, what is that term? Like, did you just like fall in love with like stroke horse once and go, right, shit, that looks like a smart idea <laughs> to get on that absolute monster of a being and then just ride it or was in it a way, a I, knew, I, I knew no difference. So I'd grown up around them my whole life because mum rode. Yeah. So I knew no different. For me, that was normality. And then uh, we ended up moving somewhere and basically mum had horses. She was a dealer, which is basically you sort of <laughs> yeah, not that a horse dealer a horse dealer all right so, that explains the house yeah, exactly. lovely yeah you should have like summed that one up um, and she bought horses yeah produces them so tries to improve the horse and then sells them and you make the profit obviously um and uh i ended up just being involved without riding and then like i say mum bought one horse that she was planning on bringing on and selling and it turned out to be fantastic at dressage and that would i would have been about 13 or 14 yeah. and that is what 
got me into doing dressage. Right. Uh, so dressage, I'm, I've learned, is making the horse dance. Pretty much. The easiest way of summing it up is, yes, you're asking. I, I know it stems from, like, if you look back at dressage, it was, like, designed for the military because you're trying to make the horse uh, literally listen to every command. And obviously, when they're on the front line yeah, during yeah. war, they've got to really listen to what you're asking for. And that's how it originated. And then, obviously, it's developed over the years to where we are now. Um, and yeah, so that is literally it. I had a talented pony for that. <laughs> I didn't choose dressage. Dress, dressage chose me. That's that's yeah. how that happened. Well, so how how do, how do you tell that the, the pony's going to be good at uh, dressage? Did you just go to the stables one morning and you're like, shit, mum, you got to come see this. Like <laughs> <laughs> Bella's in the corner and she's like strutting about and like <laughs> no, doing pirouettes. So it's like anything. Like obviously you start working by working with the horse, like riding, riding the yeah. horse, and it's like a, no different to a person at school you throughout that time you work out what that person is good at whether that's math english or they might excel at everything yeah whereas with this horse it was working on it and we realized it had a lot of potential for dressage right. and by that what we mean is that it was naturally the way it moves so it's nothing that is forced it's the way the way the horse just naturally is built and what the way of going of course we try to improve that um, and that's what dressage is, is trying to consistently improve right um but that horse had natural talent for dressage and that is what then led me to where i am now really no exactly it's but so, so horse horse riding horse anything related with horses of course um from what i've seen now i i come from a background where i have nothing to do with horses no no um i've, I've found a love for them i through you of um, course. i didn't realize one how therapeutic they are um, there's just a sense of calmness when you're around them. Yeah. Um, but at first it was almost like absolute terror. Like yeah, they're huge yeah. and they're so strong and powerful that that will just bowl me over yeah, and exactly. that's it done. Well, you've missed out for me personally. I grew up with ponies. They start small. And then as you get older and yeah. bigger and stronger, then your horses get bigger and stronger because they grow. Well, you end up buying what you need at that time. So you missed out that stage. You've just come to my yard now where I've got six dressage five dressage horses in the yard that are absolute beasts basically yeah. what they are so what sort of stuff is it that you say like oh, you bought different things for the horses when like they were ponies and like what is the sort of financial thing and, and these are these are personal <clears throat> silly questions yeah and, of course no, and no, there's no. a lot of people that are going to listen to this that are going to be have done like you years yeah, in, course, in the horse industry and they're going to be like what what are you on about <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, this no, is no. just no, no, like no, no, the no, basics for me i don't understand i can see that it is not a cheap hobby no, no. or career so no, like no, how's course. that affected you because that's um, not an easy I, I was very very lucky my mum and dad especially so i was 13 14 you're just doing it for fun like my brother was probably riding a little bit back then right. and at that age it was nothing really serious but then when i started dedicating myself to doing dressage when i was like 14 years old then you're talking it's a lot of money for your parents to have to invest in you i'm talking my lessons that you need at that age because that's the time that you're developing your riding especially at that young age it's fundamental to you being the best that you can be like like everyone says when you're a child it's easier to learn and of course it's the same rule applies in, in the equestrian world too so but like you're talking pff, lessons maybe i have three or four a week and each lesson's 50 60 pounds and that's right. just me for my training not looking after the horse not having the feet done not having <laughs> like feed the list goes on it's endless it's absolutely endless and it's just so so expensive for you to run 
and that's just one pony let yeah. alone if you have two wow um so i was very 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 fortunate that my mum and dad saw that i wanted to do it and backed me with everything that they could financially afford to do like don't get me wrong because of that like it's very especially with a non-horsey brother like they're spending a lot of money on me because that's how can they then say to my brother well you can't here's a do pair this of, how, yeah, exactly of... how here's a pair of football boots but that football boots 120 pounds how many pair of football boots can he get how many footballs can he get it doesn't add up like yeah. his pair of football boots is two lessons that i have within a week <laughs> yeah so it's very very difficult so of course i missed out on other things that a lot of people did because i wouldn't get them brand new clothes and all the, all those little bits and pops because i was my my full focus at that age was i dedicated myself to doing dressage and that is what i wanted to do yeah. and i saw nothing else i was at school till i was just to get through school i was there for no other reason than just to get through school i didn't want to be there just kept my head down and just did just what was necessary yeah got through it and then as soon as i could i left school and started working with horses because you now, you're on the yard pretty much. Like every time I, I get a call from you, it's like 6.30 in the morning. And I, I mean, I'm up early, but you are up early. Like it's a demanding yeah, thing. Of course. Like I, I think the best way to describe it is it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Having horses, it, it is a lifestyle. It, everything resolves around your horse. If there's a problem with the horse, you're there to sort it out. Especially now, now it's my job. I have owners. I don't, I have half a share in a little yearling mm. uh, that's owned with one of my owners. A yearling? Yeah, so a one-year-old. Yearling. oh right yeah, okay. yeah, yearling. Right. so uh he's one year old um and uh yeah so i have half share in that but other than that all the horses on my yard are paying are paying customers the clients of mine so those horses they have to be looked after to a top top level yeah like we, i still have aims with my competition career to reach international standards yeah if my my yard isn't producing international standards i will never reach international standards with my riding no, that's exactly. the way it goes you have to yeah. So you but, are you pro are you pro now? Like you're Oh yeah, professional. Cl so are we you don't classes have, pro like Yeah, 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 exactly. You yeah, you're like your class is professional. Class is professional. So you don't have like amateur you have amateur riders and professional. It's not like semi pro, it is professional rider. Right. Um and yeah, so I would have theoretically I was a professional rider from seventeen, eighteen years old. Yeah. And that's when you're competing. Like I've been lucky, I've been able to compete against Charlotte Dujardin, which is the number one dressage rider. And Carl Hester, who's probably the legend of the sport, I've had the opportunity to compete against people like that. Yeah. And so, in that aspect, very lucky. But I can sit here and say my career never really took off as well as I wanted it to, and maybe I didn't reach the potential that I should have either. But there's, that's a yeah. Do you big think of worms. there's one bit I I'm curious to go back on? Yep. Um, you said that your mum and dad they they did a lot financially yep. like they they grafted just so you could have the yep. opportunity to be in the horse world of course uh, now we're not all lucky to come from amazing backgrounds no, no. and we've had to work for it and there's nothing wrong if you no, do come from a no, background no, exactly. where you're lucky enough to to have parents that can just straight up provide in that <clears throat> sense but i'm curious is there a level of with the money behind it and the career yep. like if you don't have the money it's so difficult to go pro like if you're if you your mum and dad weren't in a position to work as hard as they have done and still do to help you go pro mm. is it going to be detrimental for other people getting into that industry i guess that's like a very difficult question to answer because yeah. like even for me personally my parents gave me everything and i was a very very small fish in a massive pond 
uh, like back when my pony cost, I think like £2,000 as a project pony. He was competing against ponies that were bought for £250,000. Yeah. Like we're talking, there's a massive gap there. Of course, I think in the beginning, yes, definitely. But there's no reason, for example, my pony cost £2,000. Like <laughs> in the context of horses, that's very cheap. And for what he then went on to do, he done very well for for that. He's competing against ponies that are bought for thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of money. So um, <clears throat> I think money is very, very important, but it's like anything. If you work hard enough, opportunities will come your way. You might, it, It's just a different route in yeah. uh, to the sport. You might have to go off and work as a groom. I worked as a groom when I left school for Sharon Edwards. So what does... Siding, what yeah. a groom? What does a groom? Like, just looking after horses. Just looking after. Yeah, so I literally no riding, or... just looking after, yeah. looking after horses. And then I had my horse in livery there at the same time, which a lot of people do. So you're predominantly working for your lessons, almost is what I did. Um, and then from that, I then my next stepping stone was becoming a rider at a yard. And then I was lucky enough to go to a top top international yard uh, at Sarah Millis's, um, and basically do my university degree there's that that's how i looked at it it was my introduction into the sport was going to a place of that standard was eye-opening changed the way i looked at everything um so it can happen like me working as a groom my mum and dad didn't buy that for me didn't they didn't put money into that i had to work there i did that myself yeah i earned the you lesson put the hours yeah in. i put the hours in i got i i put, i got in i got out sorry what i put in in yeah. that moment and then again from that i then ended up picking up little bits of riding so i was working at sharon's and then i got bits of riding here there and everywhere so like a couple of little clients and charge like 10 15 pounds but it was enough to pay for my fuel and uh me just to get more exposure ride more horses because it's no different to any other sport the more practice you get the better you're going to be <laughs> yeah, so the exactly. more i could ride the better i was going to be and then from that it gave me quite a good fundamental base i was then doing quite well on the, on the competition side of things that then led me to have a good enough cv to then apply for a job of that standard so it, yeah. you, it, you can do it there's no reason why you can't but it's very hard is very it quite hard. a small circle in like the competition circuit um yes and no you see the same same faces and you've got like local shows then you've got ugh, like the big shows which yeah. are all over the, all over the so, country so for my for my benefit name some of like the local shows the big shows because I've never no no of course I know we've got Hickstead and that is <laughs> yeah look, the to be name. fair we've actually just lost Hickstead right yeah so we because with dressage especially for uh, there's things need to change <laughs> it needs to go more commercial right because we are losing so many venues yeah because they can't is it because it's like such a niche revenue that they are bringing through uh, yes and no. I think personally the sport is outdated. Right. And I, the only way that I can like refer this to someone that doesn't know horses is if you get a rapper, yeah, they'll rap whatever they do. They always end up going commercial to then improve themselves and be able to be accessible to everyone. Dressage is such a small niche that how can you make that more entertaining for more people to want to see it? Yeah. You've got to go more commercial and think about opening the sport up rather than keeping it so small that yeah. no no one like knows about it so unless like charlotte when she's done amazing at the olympics and won gold medal after gold medal that yeah we got some exposure but after that that exposure dies down the sport then just dies and like we're losing venues that hicks did as an international showground we've lost the dressage at an international showground because 
the funding's not there. Right. So something's going wrong, but it takes someone to step back and actually like think, okay, we've got to do something to try and make this better. But that's not, I can't do that. Like that's the top people in the sport that need to take a look at the sport and go, okay, we've got to change with the times. So what has Hicksley got now? So they've taken, so they've just taken dressage. Yeah. So basically then... the arenas that were there for the everyday dressage yeah. are gone. So they, I'm not sure what they're what now doing they? with it. I don't know. Because you do it in like a little sand pit, don't you? Yeah, basically, yeah. 20 by 60 arena. Right. Um, so they have two warm-up arenas, 20 by 60, and then two competition arenas, twenty by both 20 by 60 again. So that's four arenas for the dressage that they had there. And it was like awesome that we had so, so many shows there. Like for me personally, I have like such an attachment to that place. That's where I grew up. That was like an international competition that I never got to do, compete internationally there, but I got to ride at an international. Um, you could knock things. on the CV and yeah, say, I've exactly. done that. Yeah, I, I was able to compete at an venue where I watched Edward Gull and Totalas compete there. Like that was, I remember being 13 and 14, year, 14 years old um, and seeing the, the horse like of dressage at that time, the most amazing creature that had anyone had ever seen yeah breathtaking and i got to watch him and then four years later i'm competing in that same arena at that event not in the international but um yeah like it's crazy and then now i'm looking back and we don't it's not even there anymore no so I, you you mentioned a couple of names again i know very little i've got no, no, of course i've yeah. got an auntie that that rides horses um and that is probably the closest connection i've i've got to horses and yeah. my my younger cousins they've They've got that, and of course, your and... uncle went to the Olympics three times for Netherlands. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, he was. A, I, I was going to yeah, say he, he was a right. chef, but he wasn't a sh- no. chef. <laughs> he was. But I think he ended up chef to keep somewhere. But yeah, that means nothing to no. me. I don't know no, what no. that means. But no, yeah, 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 what what sort of names like you say football? You go Ronaldo, Messi. Yeah. You you know the big names. Of like, course. Who are the people in? in the horse industry that you look up to that you go those are the names and you okay go, right, yeah of course that, so when I mentioned Edward Gull just then yeah. like at that time he changed dressage that that horse Totalas was breathtaking it was like he was breaking world record world record after world record after world record and then five six years later Charlotte Dujardin comes on the scene with Villegra and does the exact same thing right. world record broken world record broken gold medal gold medal so those are people that Charlotte is obviously probably the best ever dressage rider seen. Right. She wins absolutely everything. Full credit to herself. She's she's put herself in the position. And then you've got Carl Hester again, who's a massive name within the sport. Who people would say like he took he's changed the sport to where it is now. He's brought so much to it. He's the one that produced Charlotte Dujardin. I know Judy Harvey also helped Charlotte along the way, but he gave Charlotte the opportunity with that horse Allegro to <laughs> become what she now is, which is a star of the sport. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Carl and Charlotte are the legends and they'll go down in history for, for Great Britain with dressage. Edward Gull, he competes for Netherlands. So, um, but he's absolutely, for me personally, I had, I looked up to him when I was younger, massively looked up to him. I thought he was the most amazing rider. So, and again, like I say, at that time he was breaking world record after world record after world record. So. Yeah. And the, these guys, these are all dressage, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then, uh, then you see loads of difference. So you've got a dressage. Show jumping. Show jumping. There's loads of different, yeah, even of up course. to polo. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, but they all, their whole foundation is yeah. horses. Yeah, absolutely. And 
what I'm trying is, is it like a small circle as well between them? Like, of do course, they all course. know we each other really, in the different uh, sports? That maybe, maybe, maybe the eventing and dressage can cross over because is know, there like much rivalry between the two? Not, not really, because you don't really come across each other. To be honest, yeah. like show jumping is so different from dressage. Of course, you have that. Uh, you can relate to eventing because they have obviously it's three stages. They have the dressage, the show jumping, and the cross country. Um, and obviously, the dressage. A lot of people, well, actually, the 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 whole of the eventing lot will train with a dressage trainer for the dressage and a show jumping trainer for the right. show jumping because they're doing all three right okay yeah makes it's sense. no different to like uh you know the olympics where they have like this the 100 meter and they, they do that yes yeah, so they're just trying together yeah. for the sake of trying together because yeah. they're doing it yeah anyway. exactly so they'll be learning from the best dressage rider to try and improve their dressage and the best show jumper in their opinion trainer uh, for the show jumping and then obviously they go and do the cross country as well from uh, probably an eventer right changing it completely yeah ever so slightly but more or less completely going back to when you was in secondary school having you told me a little bit more about what it's like in the industry and what is the dedication it has to be a horse not just a a career horse rider but a horse owner how what's the nitty-gritty of how that affected you going through school it was hard definitely hard because even it goes to like social events. You couldn't really go to them because you're competing and stuff. It was definitely hard because you you were an outsider, aren't you? <laughs> you're like you're that kid that rides horses. That's not cool, like, especially when it's like being a guy. It's ah like, oh, football, rugby, this, and you're like, oh, yeah, I might not be able to play for football on the weekend because I've actually got a competition with horses. Like, doesn't really add, quite <laughs> yeah, add up, you know. So uh, it, of course it was hard. Like I think that now I'm still around the same sort of people and then they have mad respect for what I do now because they've seen the progress from back at school. But Do then, any of them ride horses, the people that you grew up with? Do no, 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 no. Because I, I didn't really, like I had a couple of people, like guys that I got on with in the dressage, thing, uh, dressage industry, um, but they ended up giving up or not doing it anymore. And that's sort of, we have like a scheme for young riders. So that's where right. you sort of like meet up from all different regions, like Northern region and stuff like that. Obviously we, I was Southern. And then you go to like the big under 25 national championships and I, I would see familiar faces and I got on with them, but that was so far apart, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was almost so, like a hobby yeah. between real life. Yeah, exactly. You see them so different I, I, events it's not like I'm going to go, oh yeah, I've got a friend who's up north that I ride with. I'm not yeah. going to go see him. I've got my friends at school that I chilled with and stuff. So. No, I get that. It's, it's the same as with me in the acting. Like yeah. um, I haven't gone from our school and then to Brit and then to... Um, East 15 I've got people that are scattered I've 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 yeah. got I had a mate that was um, doing a global tour of Warhorse and then I've got a mate <laughs> that's down in Hastings yeah. and one in Bournemouth and, and one, that, one that's the round the corner to me like they're so scattered so it's difficult to say where it is and I feel like progression friends have just sort of dipped in and out of life of I've got consistency but they're all from different walks of life completely, but completely. it's different because I'm, I'm exactly the same as you with school I don't think I see many people, bar no, a few, and no, those exactly. are the people we've reached. It's the same together. for you as well. Obviously, you're you are working on your acting at that point. It's mm. no different. Like acting, <laughs> being a guy and acting yeah. when you're at secondary school, no guy's gonna go, oh yeah, that's really cool. Of course, yeah, you get grief for it. We yeah, I I definitely had um, a few stereotypes chucked at me, mm. and it it does make it difficult because you 
you're almost put in a box mm. straight away. Yeah, and because then you've, because of doing one thing that makes you that. Way. Yeah, but that goes back to being fourteen or fifteen years old and not being able to understand anything in life. Really, no, is it? massively. I do look back on it, and it is definitely an age thing. Like if I I know what I know now, mm. um, I would have so many words of advice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of so many words to give to myself um, that probably also would have kept me out of trouble as well. Yeah. Um, but but it's how you approach it, all, isn't it? Like yeah. you don't understand, so. You don't know how to, how to do any di- anything different. The so. more other people are defining you, the more you actively try to rebel that. Yeah, exactly. And I think I definitely did that. Yeah, I mean, from a, from a young age, I definitely put on uh, a hard man persona. And to I'm, probably clearly make, I'm not a no, hard no, man. Like I, to make I, up for the fact that you're doing your acting, so yeah. you thought you had to compensate so much for the acting. It was no different than the writing. You felt that you had to go and above, above and beyond because you did that to like make up for doing that, that you had... So you went the complete opposite way yeah. to try and fit you in. pendulum it, yeah. 100%. Because all we want to do in secondary school at that age is fit in. That's all you want to do is try and fit I'm in. So, I'm, I'm 23 years old and I'm still, still trying to do that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Just accept me. Mm. But I mean, what sort of stereotypes were actually thrown at you? Because I don't know if they're similar to mine. I mean, yeah, I of think- course, of course. Like stereotypically, a guy that does horses are gay. Yeah. And the, the one that always, always was thrown at me, oh, you shag your horses. Because that's a very weird exactly. one yeah exactly i did not that was a that stereotype was always because is you, that a thing do many people shag their horses <laughs> in the industry no no <laughs> you took a moment you I, did take I, a I, moment i didn't take are you that. sure you've never touched a horse inappropriately no exactly i didn't take that like, <laughs> seriously at like, 23 years old you're asking me to oh, do that i was like oh that's back to that like, school days no no not you've grown all. out of touching horses yeah now. yeah absolutely but because obviously you're riding riding horses <laughs> Like every the first thing that people be, be is like, oh, you shag your horse. Yeah, like great, fantastic. What do you want me to say back to that? Like, yeah. that, and that's it. They're not exactly very um, educated um, comments that get thrown at you. No, it's no, no, no completely, completely. It's uh, absolutely. It's like anything that is detrimental. To so them. if you ride horses, you're you're clearly gay, and you shag uh, your absolutely, horse. Absolutely, absolutely. Those were the two things that straight away were stereotypical things that I was told. Like that was it, and you're just like great. But you daily, are daily you're, you're straight, track. and you don't. Shag horses. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I need to sum that one up. No, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you're watching on the cameras, this photo is actually from my bedside table. This is <laughs> sort of Josh. This is actually from mine that I personally bring in. <laughs> I've got a thing for Josh. That is that is that's my way of going through it. But yeah, we had we had quite a similar experience going through school, and it was the same as with acting. I mean, I uh, was you know, yeah, yeah. You, you must be gay. You must be quite a bit camp. Um, you you don't you can't do the masculine sports, no. and hence why I think I got into rugby. Um, was yeah, it com- was a, yeah, it was a compensate, way of out. yeah, exactly. absolutely compensate, exactly, and it yeah, it's it's the weird one because I would then go to Brit and like <laughs> so many guys are straight, mm. and yeah, there is gay guys there, and mm. the the people that are from the outskirts that give that as almost like even though it's a stereotype, it doesn't bother me. You can no. call me gay, you want, like I'm, I care no, at all, no, exactly. But I've I've met so many people that it's almost it's, it's a shame that that is the Stereo- they're perceive. using that yeah, as a negative exactly. stereotype yeah absolutely because i'm sure like like me you you've met tons of gay guys that I'm, i've got From loads of gay walks of life friends yeah. that are, are exceptionally close friends and their sexuality exactly. doesn't even it's not even a talking point it and it's not because of them doing them. a certain thing either that makes them gay either no that's crazy but that's but you're you're so a, you're a straight guy yes. in a predominantly female dominated industry no uh, you, you'd like to think so, I guess. Uh, definitely when I was younger. Yeah. As I get older, not so much, I would say. Like, definitely when I was younger, there was 
I was like, especially when you're doing the young rider competitions and stuff like that, I was, yeah, one of like a few guys. And yeah, it was just female dominated completely, especially at a young age. So you must have been a, a lucky young lad. <laughs> a lucky young guy. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some stories I'll end up, we'll revisit. Yeah, maybe I won't say them on camera. Though. <laughs> no, the I thing. think that's probably the safest bet. Is yeah, not exactly. Saying. Not to say that on camera. <laughs> but the, a lot of the things that I'm learning here that, you you've you've really had to graft and fight and um mm. it is it's a really demanding um career to yeah, go into of course, and of you've course. actively gone into that knowing that yeah um the early mornings the financial stress the then just the the nerves and pressure to even perform yeah. let alone uh, i mean my my girlfriend's in um well you'll know that she's doing at uh, working at a equestrian veterinary clinic and 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 i didn't realize the amount of issues that horses can have so then even though that is your career and almost like your car like how many problems you have with that on top of no difference to formula one the stress of course must be insane like how does that how's that affected you over time like there must be times where your mental health must struggle with that um now being what 24 years old like the last seven years were hard, definitely. Definitely, very hard. Had some good times and bad times, but a lot of things are out of your control. You're relying on a horse like that has its own brain to try and achieve something the whole time. So whether they pick up an injury, whether on that day they don't perform to their best, there's so many factors that end up like contributing towards whether it's success or negative and again making that transition when i was 16 I, that it was my hobby now it's my job i earn yeah. a living from it and people are paying me to ride a horse i used to do it for fun i don't do it for fun anymore no i've, I've got to earn a living this is my living so that that pressure from making that massive step from hobby to job yeah has like massive absolute massive and I, I don't think because you're so caught up on it at that moment in time and making that transition you're like, oh look I've got rides I've got owners now fantastic I'm earning money and I was really lucky I earned good money at a young age that you don't actually realise the stress and pressure that you're under and you just continue 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 and then I just had a massive breakdown couldn't deal with it anymore because I was going to competitions and I would go down the centre line and I'd have two horses in one class and I'd be like oh well no matter how well I do someone won't be happy because I'll win on one horse and I'll be lower on the other. That So what's the point? Like so you, I did this to compete yeah, because I wanted to be the best competition rider. Now I don't like going down the centre line at that point in my life. Whereas now I just have being older and looking at things and learning as well, massively learning over the last six or seven years, like you have a different outlook on it, but it was hard, it was so hard because there's so many fundamental factors to horses that you were never prepared for. I didn't know, I was learning on the job. Yeah. And I had different pressures, people pulling me in different directions, but I didn't know what the right direction myself was. So I, I just couldn't deal with that stressful pressure. And I basically just had a breakdown, pretty much. Is there, is there anything or anyone in the industry that can help change that? Because you're this, I feel like it's probably something that a lot of people go through, yeah, it's, and they it's probably no, not talked. No, no, about. exactly. This personally is really close to me because I felt that I had no one to look up to or no one could understand. Yeah. Especially for me, is I was doing a sport, an elite sport, 
that I didn't feel like I particularly fitted into. And then I had my school friends that I was always trying to fit in at school. So I was constantly being torn between two, but I didn't know which direction to go in. And I didn't have anyone to speak to because... Did you not feel like you could speak to your friends about what was that? Just because they wouldn't understand? They wouldn't or? understand. Like, half of them think I race. <laughs> like, that's, they think I'm a jockey, you know? <laughs> like, that's as far as that conversation's gone. So how can I say, oh, I'm just not really sure where it's all headed or where it's going. Uh, because it's a female-dominated sport, I don't really have any male role, role models to look up to or speak to. My trainers and people around me were all female people, which is brilliant. I was lucky for that. But they... At the same time, I can't think like they think or mm. be like what they are. So it tore me in so many different directions. And that was, I just didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know the stress, the pressure, dealing with owners, my competition career, trying to keep friends. Just, yeah, and it just all ended badly, basically. Is there anything that um, you think there's a way of handling that that you can offer out as advice? Like what... Is there anything that the industry can do? Is there anything that you oh, can help to suggest for I think, listeners to do that? Potentially, if you've got a a, a young 14, 15-year-old yeah. girl, boy, yeah, whatever, who is going through, the, going through the sport, having the stress of getting up at five, six every yeah. morning, 12-hour days, working, then they've got the pressure of, are they doing enough? Have they got enough money coming through to make sure these horse can, horses can live, have the best functional life? Then they've got to worry about their career. Mm what is the stuff that you think can change for, for the industry that could like proactively change as of tomorrow? Yeah. Like, let's just pull your finger out and just do it or what you can offer to that. Well, personally, I think the whole equestrian industry needs to be turned flipped, uh, turned upside down and yeah. they need to realise that the youth programmes they do, they do, they need to prepare them for stress, pressure and how you deal with owners and like making a living in sport. They don't do that. So I've been on so many youth programmes, no one had prepared me for anything. They just told me, oh yeah, you ride, try and be healthy, try and be fit. Great, fantastic. I didn't, I knew that anyway. But you could have prepared me in somewhat, some way to know how you deal with multiple owners that you're working on, riding their horses and managing your like books and everything that, how you can make a living out of your career. Yeah. Because for a lot of sports, like you don't have to teach or anything to earn a living with a professional footballer. You just play for your club and that's your salary done. Whereas I have to ride multiple horses to earn my living. There's so many different things with that. So for me personally, the industry needs to be flipped upside down. They need to actually invest in the next generation and nurture them through and like manage them dealing with the stress and pressure because you don't have anyone there for that unless you do it off your own back again. Like you pay for a psychologist. I had sports psychologists. I've had hypnotherapy. It was great at the time, but it was too late. <laughs> the problems had happened. Yeah. So for me personally, the biggest thing that I could tell anyone is no horse is too good to put up with a bad owner. Because that is that is what I went wrong. I had good horses and bad owners. Yeah. And when there's one weed, it spreads. So that little bit of negativity from that one owner just broke me. Especially really? at a young age, when I'm 18, 19 years old, I'm dealing with grown adults and getting grief from them. Yeah. Because I'm not performing to my best, in their opinion, or they want me to do something slightly differently. Yet I'm being paid to do my job. And my job is to prepare the horse the best. So take it, owner, owners is quite an interesting thing, because yeah. it's almost like you're self-employed and you do your own thing in, in the yard and mm. you train these horses up, but owners own the horse yeah like yeah, exactly. one that is it's difficult because you i 
presume like almost like a pet that yeah. you you generate an attachment to that animal. but i could go home now and they, all the horses on my yard could have been taken by their owners if they wanted to so they're owners are quite horses. a difficult thing to course, deal with course, i mean manage I've, I've met some of the owners of the horses on your yard they're absolutely lovely, lovely but and that, that's what i've made sure is that i would yeah. i've had to really cut back on the owners that i have around me and make sure that they're good people around me because uh, if they're bad i can't perform to the best of my ability so no. why i wanted to do the sport was to have a good competition career if i've got bad owners around me that's not going to happen even if they're giving me the top horses because it affects me so negatively. No, you got to surround Mental. yourself with the the, the best positive people possible. People. It's Absolutely. a pos- positive mindset, exactly. positive people. It's why I'm 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 best friends with you, and we we consistently every other ten minutes. It's all about mentality. Yeah, all about mentality. And as we, you know, like all it takes is a little bit of negativity. Like I remember being up at a competition, and one owner just broke me. I had four horses there, so not only did it ruin their horse. It ruined every single other ride I had up there because it broke me because right, I didn't know okay. how to deal with it. Yeah. And then I'm just... I mean, how did they break you, God? Can you... I can't really go into detail. It's more... It's just more negative comments the whole time and it's yeah. just like being so distant, not interacting, just making the whole thing really awkward for a 19-year-old kid. Yeah. No, like, it's not what a 19-year-old year should have to deal with. Do they... Do, I mean, it feels like a common occurrence. Owners have some, some owners have that mentality... Do they not see past the fact that you're a young lad trying to make a career? No, or is there a level of class that's involved in that, that it's almost you're beneath them and that is an exterior I don't think thing so that... because at the end of the day, they're coming to me because they think that I'm good to, to track. ride their horses. Yeah. But it's like anything. If they feel it should be done in a certain way, they think they're paying me, so I should do it like that. I think it's no different to anything. But at the end of the day, I'm the professional. Yeah. Let me do me and you'll see the benefits. And people that have let me do me see the benefits but it's when people start putting in oh you should be doing like this why don't you train with her just recipe for disaster really Hmm. on a cheerier note because i think we got down very very deep and gritty to it there you're a tiktok sensation (laughs) (laughs) let's not beat around the bush everyone's everyone's here looking at you going we're in the presence of celebrity um you're what on how many followers now on tiktok hopefully about forty thousand. No, right, so a hundred thousand after this comes out, and uh, hopefully we'd like that, wouldn't we? So, <laughs> how did that come about? Because that you sort of breach between TikTok and the equestrian world, which is a quite <laughs> a, a massive leap, really yeah. massive leap, especially yeah, no. So I, I don't know. I think my girlfriend at the time just sort of, uh, sort of like, oh, why don't you sort of do this? And I was like, oh, okay, like I, I was one of them. I wasn't really into my social media. I didn't even understand how important it is nowadays. Mm. Um, and I sort of did it and then did one video and next thing you know, you got 500,000 views on it and it's gone completely viral, just like a lot of people experienced during that time and then just grew from there really and just had a natural like, oh, well, not natural. You're just then in that position where you're like, I've gone viral. I now have gained followers. I've now got to try and produce content. You have that stress and pressure of consistency. Yeah, exactly, which is and... crazy because I never wanted to do it anyway. But no, then exactly. I'm like, oh my God, like I've got followers. I now need to produce content that's going to go viral. And what, do I, what do I produce? What do Absolutely, I put out there? Of course, of course. So that that just, again, that was a massive learning curve because I didn't know anything about social media. It just, I, like, it became just, I was obsessed with it. Your Completely DMs must be absolutely with. flooded. Sometimes, I say that sometimes. rhetorically almost like to the audience as if to go, oh, are, are they? I know for a fact they are. <laughs> I've seen them. Uh, dear. <laughs> 
a lot of bad as well as good. But there we go. Yeah, I mean, you're you're under the the the, the micro micro glass that you're being watched on social media that uh, of this industry. That yeah. do you feel because your persona that you put on TikTok? Yeah. Would you say that is you? No. It's a nice. <laughs> <laughs> Many a conversation about this yeah, previous. It's a of course it is. I, well, I, the best way I could describe it, of course, is part of me. Of course, it's a part of me. Yeah. But it's an act. I'm not I'm not going to showcase who I am on social media because no one does. I'm no. just portraying what I felt at that time would go viral. Some people like it, some people don't. But don't judge me off a 10 second video. That's not me. And I'm not, not once have I said in that video, this is me, this is who I am. All I'm trying to do is jump on a trend and try and make it go viral. That's all I'm trying to do. No, exactly. And of course, some people like it, some people don't. But well, I think it is also a part of you, um, but it's a part of you that is one of many. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and of course, it's, that's, it's that's this, the best way to do it. Yeah. And it, I've just exaggerated that from the fact, of course. It's a caricature. I thought I'd really struggle saying yeah. that word, no, but no, yeah, it's, it's, it. It. it's an emphasis of, of, of what, what a part, part of what of you are. Is, of course. Yeah. And like I say, that social media is so, so eyes on, like everything you do it's being is judged. judged. Of course. Like we, like we were speaking about a couple of days ago, I'm getting so much hate on one video and yeah. it's not even what a video where I'm acting or anything. It's just a behind the scenes shoot of a photo shoot that I was doing. Yeah. And crazy the amount of hate that I've got on that crazy yeah. and you're like, but they're giving you hate and from their phone and computer but they're not actually the one on a photo shoot no 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 of TikTok has now actually allowed you to have opportunities oh, like, yeah we've on. got our own thing we've got yeah. Half Step and we've got the clothing coming out next uh, next month we've yeah. got the podcast that we're doing but aside for you and your own professional career yeah, TikTok like, has given uh, you it's, it's amazing what it has done of course and that's what you have to but it's uh, what you have to look at like being signed by SRPR management Thank you so much, Scott, for everything you've done for me. Just uh, Zebra Products, Zebra Products, sorry, and Uvex, they sponsored me. Got the hat literally today, this morning. So Uvex, what do you, what, what do you, is that just a horse brand or do they do other uh, things? They do like, other things. That? They do like cycling. I can't really say much too much more because I don't know, but I know they do cycling and loads of other sports. Right. Got like Harry Dabs there that they've supported me from a young age and everything. But Harry Dabs know them well only because we use them in the promo. Yeah, absolutely. They're using the promo video. So promo that's coming out soon. Yeah, absolutely. Holland <laughs> um, Brothers Productions. Let but yeah, know. like so many opportunities. I've just been like done some modeling now that again, I never thought I would do. So yeah, brilliant. But again, it comes back to that, what we were saying earlier about one, it takes one weed. Yeah, that, that, that and all it is, it's just you end up catching yourself just reading all these negative comments, <laughs> but you can't help it. It's like a drug; you get addicted just reading negative comments, and it's just plays on it. But again, like I say, I never wanted to go viral; just did it for a bit of fun, and then it just ended up going crazy. And now I'm in this position where forty thousand followers, but it's just more pressure and stress added to it because you feel you've got to create content. Yeah, and now again from that, then Instagram sort of took a massive leap. I've got a nice following on there. Thank you so much to everyone that follows me. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Do really appreciate it. Especially in the nice comments. I like them, yeah? <laughs> no, More nice stay. comments, please. They can stay. Uh, but yeah. Um, we're in a lucky, both of us through this, we're in a very lucky position. I mean, yeah. Um, the, this episode, we've, we've really gone, I wanted to find out more about the horse industry. And for me, we, we are going on this journey as, as, as best mates and, and developing these companies so to to give back to people but i'm interested to learn more about the equestrian following the uh people that have had a love for this and a passion from this mm. and i can understand like through the little that i've learned 
why it's such a big thing um mm. but it's not actually as commercially talked about no. um so i'm interested to hear from the people that follow you and the people that are going to follow us and and, and follow the journey of the podcast and um half step and of course hopefully give something back i mean we've got some amazing guests already lined up to come on and and, and speak and absolutely fine i'll, I'll learn more course, and we'll exactly. both learn more and exactly and the plans as well to try and do something to try and change things because that is the part problem with this sport it's outdated not enough is done and it needs changing yeah it does it does it really does 2020 that's the year i mean we've had everything else so <laughs> yeah, exactly <as> well. <laughs> 2020 COVID, Some let's change needs to happen so look we'll see where it goes yeah, absolutely sweet last thing i think we'll the best way to sort of round it off on is going through a, we've had a lot of a darker conversation at points yeah. and how and how much of a struggle it's been if you could have a moment with your younger self and yeah. i'm asking this preferably and specifically for the younger listeners that yeah. have gone through or are going through everything that you have been through and you yeah. are sitting here having been a success yeah. what is that one bit of advice you'd give to your younger self and, and the younger listeners okay and it, from riding point of view or life both give both. it just give it all. both okay from a riding point of view uh, the biggest bit of advice that I can do is just keep working hard. Like, no matter what. Horses, you have more downs than ups. But keep going. Like, honestly, you've got to keep going because they, when you get them ups, those are the best moments that you'll ever have. I still remember every single win that I've had like at top shows. Now, just easy, can reel them off. So just keep going, keep working hard. And from a life point of view, is <laughs> there's so much more to social media. That is the biggest thing I could tell anyone biggest thing and i think me and you have really learned that recently yeah how detrimental it can be from what we've come across personally so just what you see on social media really isn't true like i've said sort of said in the tiktok videos it's not me <laughs> you're, you're playing yeah, a character. Play, i'm playing the character so what you see is not real so please don't get caught up on social media because yes there's so much good but there's so much bad from it too love that well Let's round it up there. Thank yeah. you everyone for listening. Uh, yeah, this has been so a really yeah. fun and enjoyable experience to film and it's the yeah. first of, of many. So please like, share, follow, do all the rest of it. Exactly. Spread the word. Check out Ashley's Insta. Yep, we'll put uh, all links to social medias, company pages. They'll all be somewhere. Um, but Yeah, and thank you for all the support that we've had from everyone so far with what we're doing so and what we're trying to far. do. So far. Round and there. hopefully here's the much more. Love, brother. <laughs> So much pain. Oh, we've done it. There we go. So one, let's go get drunk now. <laughs> 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 That's a long chat. <laughs> and cut, cut.